and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this second quarter start of the National Football League season and the college football season rounding the halfway point as we dig our heels and get ready for the football games this weekend. And with that, I'm going to welcome our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, once again, congratulations on another great job in the totals tip sheet last week, now 10-2. and two. The last three weeks, the totals tip sheet is rocking and rolling. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, great to be aboard. We're entering the second month of the season. And uh, right back at you, uh, five-star college football game of the month, Baylor Bears, underdog, winning an outright fashion over Iowa State. Uh, nicely done there. Uh, with that said, I will let you know that we dropped our five-star in the NFL. It was an ugly game, Houston-Carolina over the total it basically never had a chance, and hey, every so often we're going to get an ugly loss. That was one of them. I'm not too disappointed because our totals plays with still 6-2 and two overall for the weekend, including a perfect 3-0 on Saturday in college football. And uh, you mentioned the totals tip sheet, another good winning week for the midweek alert newsletter. Totals tip sheet 10-2 and two last three weeks. We've changed Tuco's nickname now to 4-0 Tuco, another winner from uh, our newest K-9. And uh, we're all set and ready to go with Playbook Football Newsletter, Midweek Alert, and the Totals Tip Sheet as we head into the second month of the season. Yeah, if you can believe it, Victor, we're past the quarter pole in the National Football League. It seems like we blinked and just the season has gone by that fast. But, you know, they say... When you're having fun, it does go by fast, and we're both, we're doing just that these days. You and I and everybody at Playbook in this 2019 football season, college football, we have an abundance, again, once again, of undefeated teams that got unscathed, went unscathed through the first month of the football season. And uh, with that, I'm going to call out the fact that in the Playbook football newsletter this week, uh, what I learned is the fact that there are a handful of what we call 5-0 and fat cats on the football card this week. And just to put it, summarize it, that since 1980, football teams that open up the season 5-0, and oh, uh, what do they do in game number six? Well, they either go up or down, depending upon what point spread range they are in. If they're favored, they struggle. If they're dogs, they do well. Favorites are just 150 and 193 against the spread, whereas dogs are 52 and 35 against the spread. So isolate these 5 and 0 fat cats and some of them we have isolated in the playbook football newsletter this week. We'll call them out in the newsletter the 5 and 0 fat cats. In fact, we've got a pair of them that are locking horns. That'll be our featured college football game of the week when we tear down the Auburn Florida matchup. Uh, Victor, your take on the first month of the college football season. What did you learn as we now head into the month of October? First thing I learned was that even though teams may be ranked 1-2 in the polls, and it might be the coaches' poll, it might be the AP poll, uh, it doesn't necessarily give you a license to print money. And I mean wager on those two teams. Case in point, 
Alabama and Clemson ranked number one and number two. Neither team covered the point spread last week. And while it's true, Alabama scored 59 points in a route over Ole Miss. I'm sure they're concerned that they allowed 31 points on defense. So we've got some potential defensive issues for Alabama. They did not cover the point spread in that win. Uh, neither did Clemson. In fact, they barely got by on the road against the Tar Heels, North Carolina, coming back with a 1.21-20 win. I think Clemson has some issues on offense. Uh, another thing I learned is that right now, Trevor Lawrence is an average Joe. He looked like the best freshman anyone had ever seen at his position, the quarterback for Clemson at the end of last season, when he tore up Notre Dame and Alabama in the playoffs. But the sophomore slump for Trevor Lawrence is apparently real. He's thrown more interceptions in his first three games than he did in the entire 2018 season. And after finishing last year number 12th nationally in efficiency, he's currently 57th. So uh, we got a little bit of a sophomore uh, slump there when it comes to Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Perhaps maybe not all that much of a surprise, Victor, when you do consider the fact that he was a true freshman when he started last year and simply went 15-0, and met with all that great success, the best record ever in the world of college football for one season. So obviously there was a whole lot more he could do to climb further up the top of that mountain. He had to come back to the, to the norm, and that coupled with the fact that they do have game film on him this year from last year, so makes it a little bit easier for defenses to prepare for Trevor Lawrence, if you will. So, you know, when buying and looking at future Heisman Trophy tickets this football season here, I bought Jalen Hurts uh, from Oklahoma, and a lot of that reasoning that I had was twofold. One, the potential for a sophomore Blues season from Trevor Lawrence, and two, Jalen Hurts playing with a huge chip on his shoulder after being uh, shown the door at Alabama going to Oklahoma where they would just design the whole entire offense around him. And so far, that's working out well. The only nemesis I've got in the middle is Tua Tagovailoa, obviously, from Alabama. So it depends upon what happens going down the road. But uh, I concur with you. Uh, Trevor Lawrence in this sophomore slump is really not all that much of a surprise. Now, whether or not Dabble Swinney can make the corrections and the adjustments and uh, iron the, the problems out that he's had so far remains to be seen. One of the other things that I learned throughout the month of opening month of September in college football is that the Ohio State Buckeyes are a damn good football team. And when I say that, I'm talking simply from the standpoint that not only are they 5-0 and oh, to begin the football season, and they've steamed roll past everybody that they played so far. They haven't missed a beat since Ryan Day took over for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Uh, but what I've also learned is they're the only team in the country that has held every opponent they played to season-low yards defensively. This is a defensive juggernaut at Ohio State, and it will be interesting to see what happens when they lock horns with Michigan State, another defensive juggernaut when they battle them in the horseshoe in Columbus on Saturday. And just given the fact that Ohio State has these five season-low marks, Michigan State has held three of their opponents to season-low marks, one might consider looking at the under total in that football game because these are indeed two superior defenses that are going to be locking horns this football season. Before we go over to the NFL side of things, anything else, Victor, that you've learned so far in this 2019 college football season? I learned that there's one team that really radically made their team over from previous seasons. We touched on them very briefly, I believe, in our second podcast 
of the year. And that's the LSU Tigers. What a metamorphosis for LSU from a low wattage offensive team to a national leader in scoring. Their points per game, the Tigers, they're up more than 25 from last year, more than 30 from the previous season. They're second nationally in passing yards per game after the following rankings in that category over the last five seasons. 67th, 84th, 101, 106th, and 116th. It's amazing. The addition of Joe Brady as the passing game coordinator, the continued progression of quarterback uh, Joe Burrow, who I believe is yeah ranked in the top four in terms of quarterback rankings. And not only that, but th- there's been a willingness from Ed Orgeron to get outside of his normal comfort zone. It's just working wonders these days in Baton Rouge. Doing a terrific job, Joe Burrow, the ex-Ohio State Buckeye, transferred into the LSU football program. And as we called out in the Playbook Football Newsletter this week in the write-ups, he's thrown for 17 touchdown passes through his first four games of the season. The previous five years, LSU had never thrown for more than 17 touchdown passes in an entire year. That's the effect that Joe Burrow has had on the LSU Tigers this year, and it's one of the reasons they're a major contender. And people say that there could be three teams out of the SEC that perhaps might qualify for the football playoffs. That remains yet to be seen. We'll find that out, uh, obviously, as the season continues to unwind. One other thing I learned quickly in college football last week, Victor, before we head over to that NFL side of the take, is the fact that in college football last week, from our Inside the Stats article, which I post every Thursday online at playbook.com, it's a great insight into what's exactly happening in the world of college football, more from a statistical perspective than perhaps a trend or a system or on-the-scoreboard type of a look. But there were 14 teams in college football last week that won games yet were out-yarded in the contest, and they are led by no less than the Stanford Cardinal. And the reason I'm calling Stanford out this particular week is, yes, they did beat Oregon State, who, by the way, is a real under-the-radar type team, the Oregon State Beavers are this year. But Stanford has now been out-yarded each of the last four football games in a row. They've lost a spread four straight games in a row. And they were out-yarded in that win over Oregon State by 148 yards, 148 yards. Probably not the best condition to be going on and playing Washington this particular week. This could end up being what... Stanford might be a mission team by the end of the season next year. Mission teams being teams that had losing seasons, but were preceded by three consecutive bowl seasons in a row. And Stanford is really gearing up to be just that come next football season. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Victor, let's take it over to the National Football League side of things to find out what we've learned. And uh, I know this, talking to you before the show, that uh, you were team, you, you were really geared into a, a couple of nice articles you read on ESPN about Andy Reid and Gardner Minshew. Uh, a little insight of what you learned from what you read in those articles, if you will, for our listeners out there as well. Yeah, if you got a few minutes for a couple of great reads, head on over to ESPN.com. This article, first off, the tall tales of Andy Reid. Uh, you get a really great insight, and if you're not a fan of Andy Reid, y- you need to be. Uh, just fantastic, fantastic coach. Th- his coaching tree is just unbelievable. The amount of head coaches out there right now that fall under the Andy Reid tree is ama- amazing. The article itself, tidy whities uh, in a hotel room, a hallway, in his underwear with Steve Mariucci, 
Uh, funny story <laughs> of 40-ounce steak-eating contest he had, but you get a lot of great insight into his early career. And we've talked about uh, Gardner Minshew before. As I told you, I'm all in on Mustache Man, hashtag Minshew Mania. I went ahead and gobbled him up in two of my three fantasy football dynasty leagues. It basically means that I'm going to have Minshew for the duration of his career in two of my leagues. And uh, like I told you, I'm all in on this particular guy. Hey, even my wife loves the guy. If you take a look at some of the photos of Gardner Minshew, my wife says he looks like he should be a character in the movie Boogie Nights because he's got that <laughs> swag. He's got that 80s porn star mustache and swag that would fit perfectly in that particular movie. And now the uh, scuttlebutt these days is that he's really the secret nephew of Uncle Rico. And you're only going to get that if you're a fan of the movie Napoleon Dynamite and the Uncle Rico character. But uh, go to ESPN.com when you can. It's a little seven-minute video about Gardner Minshew and Uncle Rico. And like I say, I'm all in in regards to the mustache man. Well, I'm with you as well, Victor, about Gardner Minshew. My goodness, three starts, uh, all three points spread covers for Jacksonville. Uh, they're a football team that uh, really looked like their season was going to go backwards right away out of the gate when they lost Nick Foles early on in the football season. And it will be interesting uh, for me to wonder what will happen when Nick Foles does come back from his injury. Uh, you know, will Gardner Minshew play well enough to keep the job and have Nick Foles be another backup quarterback in the National Football League? Or will they hand the ball back over to Foles? It remains to be seen, but there's a really a great story going on there. And one of the things I'll say about Gardner Minshew is this, is he is he does not turn the ball over. They have only one turnover in three starts uh, with him as a quarterback, and that's, you know, that's really really difficult. Compare that to the days of Deshaun Kaiser and the Cleveland Browns when they force-fed him to be a starter in the National Football League, the human turnover machine. And here's Gardner Minshew, who does a great job at protecting the football. So great insight. As Victor said, check out those stories at ESPN. And one little quick note about Andy Reid. Uh, I'm, I'm real good friends with Howard Eskin. Uh, and WIP in Philadelphia, he's sort of a sports talk show legend there. And Howard and I have been talking together for 30 years now. And, uh, and he's also a huge fan of Andy Reid's. And uh, he tells me just on the QT, on the, on the sidebar note about Andy Reid, who he deeply, deeply admires, by the way, uh, that uh, in the Reid household, Mrs. Reid wears the shoes. She wears the pants in the family. Anything Mrs. Reid wants, says, or does is done. Andy Reid is the devotee of Mrs. Reid. So, uh, you know, if she tells him to do something, he does it and wants to do it really quickly. But that's also part of the process of what happens when you're deeply in love with the woman that you've been married to for so long. So I'm a big Andy Reid fan as well. And uh, I will indeed check that article out. Sounds like really, really good reading. One other thing that I learned, I've learned so far, Victor, in the National Football League side of things here, and I'm going to go back statistically again, there were five teams in the NFL that were won games and were out-yarded last football season here, and you can check those out at the Inside the Stats column available every Thursday at playbook.com. The biggest inside-out stat loser last week was the New England Patriots, who I'm getting sick of reading about it, and, and we could probably do a rant on them, but I'm going to save the rant for another subject here in just a moment or so. But here's the football team that, my goodness, they've opened up the season against, as mentioned last week, the Sisters of the Poor. They beat, they opened up 
their first three games to be teams that are 0-9 combined. Then they took on a finally a winning team in Buffalo. They win the game. They put up 16 points and were out-yarded by 151 yards in the contest. Tom Brady had one of his worst days in his career against the Buffalo Bills, finally, when going up against a good defense. Now, he won't see that this week or next week or the week after because he's got Washington, the Giants, and the Jets again. So let's see what happens with New England and Tom Brady when they take on the Browns at the dog pound in the end of October because this Cleveland Browns defense is for real, guys. And just mark that down in your calendars here because he will have worked his way through three more puppies, cupcakes, if you will, between now and taking on the Cleveland Browns. New England, again, gets outyarded by Buffalo in that win by 155 yards last week. And one other thing, Victor, uh, before we go on, I'm going to touch on another subject matter for the National Football League, but I want to ask you if there's any other things that you've learned so far this first month of the National Football League as we head into the second quarter poll. Well, the other thing I learned, and we can kind of tie that into our database, is the fact that through four weeks of the NFL season, there is no such thing as a home field advantage in the NFL. If you take a look at dogs on the year, Eh, not bad. The 35 ATS, 26 uh, losses, 35 wins, 26 losses. Been a decent dog season. However, it's the road underdogs in the NFL that have brought home the bacon at more than a 67% percentage. Road underdogs through four weeks, 27 and 13 ATS in the NFL. Uh, it's amazing what they're doing when they're catching points on the road. That also ties into... Uh, I wanted to throw out our over-under numbers in the NFL, and this is a up-and-down first four-week pattern in terms of the NFL. Uh, week one went nine and seven. Week two strong under. Week three and thirteen over/under. Week three rebounds to have a strong over. Week ten and six. Week four last week we went back down to a strong under. Week six and nine over/under. It's been herky-jerky back and forth, up and down in terms of the NFL. Uh, totals plays through the first four weeks of the season. Again, like I say, in six overs, nine unders. We're now at 28 overs, 35 unders on the season. Uh, again, it's been herky and jerky for a four-week pattern. We're fortunate to be profitable thus far in the totals tip sheet, but there's really nothing to grab onto in terms of the uh, over-unders, any sort of patterns, any sort of tendencies. But one thing that we can all agree on is that road underdogs in the NFL have been hitting very, very well in the first month. Interesting notes from Victor King from King Creole Sports about what we've seen the first month of this National Football League season here. And, Victor, before we get to our rant, one quick sidebar note here. Uh, as people might have learned last yesterday, the, the Mattress King has struck again, if you will, uh, Jim McInvale, he owns Gallery Furniture in Houston, Texas, and every year he does a promotion about this time of the year selling furniture. He sells bed mattresses, and uh, he, what he does is he promised people that if you buy a mattress from me and the Houston Astros win the World Series, your mattress will be free of charge on me, no charge. And what it does is it leads to an abundance through the roof sales of mattresses throughout uh, that sale period in the in from the gallery king furniture store from the mattress king and what he does to leverage that free mattress campaign is he goes out and he bets the houston astros to win the world series he's done this numerous times in the past and he struck again this past week he went uh to a DraftKings sports book in biloxi mississippi 
and put down $3.5 million on the Houston Astros to win the World Series at plus 220. If they win the series, he'll take back $7.7 million. He also earlier had bet 250000 on them at plus 250 in Las Vegas prior to that. So he's got approximately $8 million coming to him if the Houston Astros win the World Series. I just would wonder how many mattresses he have to sell to make up for that. But the bottom line is the Mattress King, Mattress Mac, they call him, Jim McInvale, has struck again. So with that, Victor, I say to you, I don't know if you're in need of a mattress. And if you are, you might want to go online <laughs> to Gallery Furniture <laughs> and score your mattress before the Astros begin their baseball playoff series. <laughs> I love it. And now, this week's rant from Mark and Victor. Okay, we've been hitting on rants uh, this football season, uh, suggested strongly by our good friend Jeff Kabasiak in Canada, and we've really enjoyed it. We've got great positive response to our rants, and we've got another one. We don't have to go out and manufacture these rants. They just happen because of the spoiled athlete that plays in the National Football League these days. And, you know, while it's easy to get on board and rant about the money they make and, the, the you know, the lack of discipline that they have as, as people – uh, it wasn't hard to dislike Vontez Perfect uh, throughout his career. I followed him, Victor, when he was at Arizona State, and he was a head case from the beginning, continually thrown off the football team there and somehow got drafted in the National Football League because he's a human wrecking ball. He goes out and he tries to destroy or maim other opponents, and he gets off on that. And the teams that sign him like the fact that he can be a difference maker defensively, but there's a price to pay, and the price to pay is going to end up being a human life. And tip of the hat to Roger Goodell, the National Football League, for throwing his ass out of the National Football League after the uh, targeted penalty that he laid on last week. He's done for the season, and the only thing I can add to that is he should be done for his career uh, before he does eventually do that and maim somebody, the hit he put on somebody looked like what happened to Ryan Shazier from the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. And what really galled me is when he walked off the field after he got called for targeting, he was like high-fiving and just joyous of the fact that he did what he did. It just seems to me, Victor, that the people like Vontez Perfect and Antonio Brown are two peas in a pod and they belong watching mm-hmm. National Football League games rather than playing them. That's my take. I don't know where you stand on the subject, Victor, but I was pleased to see Vontez Perfect given the pink slip by the National Football League this past week. I agree 100% with what you said. If I could rant a little bit myself, it would be the most dysfunctional sports franchise in all of North America happens to be in the NFL. And It's a team that I don't even like mentioning their nickname because it's so horrific. And I'm talking, of course, about the winless Washington Redskins. they got a coach in the hot seat on Jay Gruden. They can't settle on a quarterback. And this just team is just so dysfunctional. It's just unreal. They led their division last season past midseason only to finish one and six. They failed to sell out of their home opener. They sold team-branded gear for commemorating 9-11. They they sold team gear for (laughs) Sean Taylor plush toys. They got protested by their own beer vendors for low pay. They signed Paul Richardson as a deep threat, and surprise, he got hurt. Uh, They paid Alex Smith, what, $71 million 
only to watch him have his worst season in ages and have it end prematurely. They got backup quarterback Colt McCoy, maybe the most talented person on earth, at getting injured in pivotal times. He got uh, hurt immediately after Smith went down and also had to have his second corrective second surgery. They started Mark Sanchez as a quarterback last season without bothering to teach him the playbook. They started Josh <laughs> Johnson when a guy like, uh, oh, uh, a certain guy who's been taking a knee has been available for three seasons. Uh, one of their safeties got charged with assault. They grabbed Reuben Foster after a second DV charge. Uh, this team is just so dysfunctional. The head coach's kid got tagged for what? Public, public drunkenness and not at the stadium. Uh, Jay Gruden is on the hot seat. He's probably going to be the first NFL coach fired this season. On any given day, this team is brusque. They're racist. They're stupid. But when they fire a coach, you get to watch in wide wonder as Dan Snyder uh, loads up on the Crown Royal, hops aboard his orgy boat, and makes failed overtures to the <laughs> sexy names out there like Dabo Sweeney or John Harbaugh before he's forced to eventually settle for an also-ran like a Marvin Lewis or somebody like that. Uh, defensive coordinator is still Minuski because no one will want to work for this total piece of shit outfit. If you ask me, this is the Washington team that a lot of people in the league don't even want to mention their nickname. And to me, it, it's a team that gets me pissed off. Just looking at their roster, looking at their record, looking at their coaching staff and looking at their owner. I can say this. That's about, uh, for as long as I've known Victor, uh, that may be the second time I've ever heard him cuss or swear. So <laughs> obviously there are things about the Washington Redskins and it all starts at the top with Daniel Snyder, the owner. And to that, Victor, I can, I can only say the parallel I can draw to the Washington Redskins is the fact that they reside in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. They go hand in hand. Whatever happens in Washington with politics is happening with the Washington Redskins as well. And like you say, it's time for a change both in Washington and the Washington Redskins football program as well. Good rant by Victor King and yours truly about the Vontez perfect situation. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our college football game of the week. And like I said, we've got that dandy in the Southeast Conference between Auburn and Florida. We'll tear that apart when we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football card, and it's time for our college football game of the week, and we've got a dandy on tap in the Southeast Conference when the Florida Gators play host to the Auburn Tigers at the Swamp. Victor, your take on Auburn and Florida this Saturday. You know, one can 
almost make a case that maybe Auburn deserves to be the team of the month for the just concluded month of September and maybe even feel a little bit insulted about the fact that they're number seven in both the AP and the USA Today coaches poll. I say that because they got a really good resume up until now. Uh, they've beaten other teams. Let me see here. Oregon on a neutral field. Three more wins against top 50 programs in Texas A&M against Mississippi State and against a rising Tulane ball club. And basically, it's probably the best resume to date out of any undefeated team thus far. And I'm talking about Auburn. They opened up as a two-and-a-half-point favorite the last time I looked. They're favored by three down in the swamp. The game's kicking off at 3.30 Eastern on Saturday. In terms of over-unders, that's what we talk about. It opened 46-and-a-half. It's making its way upward. The last time I looked early Wednesday morning when we begin the podcast, it was up to 48 points. That's Auburn versus Florida at 48, despite the fact that it's gone up a full point and a half. This is still the lowest over-under line in the series since way back in 2006 when the over-under line was 40 and a half. We'll note that the last six meetings between these two teams, only one game has gone over. Five games have gone under. Average over-under line, 50.1. Average score, 36.8. Uh, That's a nice margin. That means the average game has gone under the total by almost two full touchdowns. Uh, Minus 13.3 points per game. The Auburn running back, it's basically back to being fantastic these days. Against Mississippi State, Bo Nix was basically turned loose, averaging 16 yards per pass in his 335-yard two-TD game as the offense finally started to show a little bit of pop for Auburn. Uh, on the Florida side, we already know that they lost their starting quarterback. There you go, Franks. Mr. Franks. Yes. Right, right. He went down, and uh, they brought in Kyle Trask. He kind of saved the day a little bit in that Kentucky win. He should basically be up to full speed now after basically taking target practice in his last two games, wins against Tennessee and a unlined win against Towson uh, last week. But this week... It looks like his job is probably to be more of a true game manager rather than a thrower. Keep the chains moving. Don't turn the ball over. Let your fantastic Florida defense do the rest. And they have been fantastic, allowing, what, just under nine points per game. They're helped out by one of the nation's top pass rushers. Like a typical Florida team, Mark, there isn't anything pretty about the Gators, but they're effective. They don't control the clock. Maybe they get flagged a little bit too often. And again, the running game is just okay, but it's they're tough. They're talented. They're unbeaten. And they've yet to reach their full potential. Uh, in terms of results on the season, Auburn comes in three and two over under. They went under in each of their first two games over in their last three games. Florida's been as solid as you can get in terms of over-unders, one over, four unders on the season. Under by two, under by 14, over by three, under by 12, under by 24. The uh, As I mentioned in the series, we're up to 48. The lowest line was 40 and a half back in 2006 based on the point spread. And on the over-under line, the average or the predicted final score in this game is Auburn 25 and a half. 
Florida 22 and a half. Despite the fact that we got a low over-under line, I am still thinking this game goes under the total. One of those 23 to 20 final scores. I think even Florida has got the shot to be the team on top of Auburn in this particular game. So we'll lean under. We'll anticipate anywhere from about 40 to 44 points. That gives us uh, a good four to five points of value. Auburn, Florida, a typical game. That means low scoring. That means it goes right down to the wire. Lean dog, but also lean under. Victor going to lean to the under 44 and a half or so points in the Florida-Auburn football game this Saturday. A crucial contest between a pair of 5-0 and football teams that have opened up the football season here. And like Victor mentioned, some people think they may be the best team in the Southeast Conference West Division this year. And that's saying a lot. Uh, when you're talking about the likes of Alabama, LSU, and now Auburn in the mix. Uh, this is a football team that last week in their win against Mississippi State scored 42 points in the first half of the football game. That's the most that they tallied in the first half of a game going all the way back to 1990 when they did it against lowly Vanderbilt. So obviously Gus Malzahn has this team hitting on all cylinders right now coming into this football game. Five wins, five covers their first five football games. They've struggled a bit in game six of the season going backwards, though they're just two and seven against the spread. So sometimes game six ends up being a, a sticking point, if you will, for Auburn after opening up as well as they have this year. This will be the first of three straight road games in a row for Auburn. They've kind of made their money mostly largely at home this football season. For the Florida Gators, they'll be home for the third straight game in a row. And that's a good role for Florida because when they've been at home, for three straight home games in the last leg of that three-game home trek. They're 9-3 and three against the spread, so they like home cooking in the swamp, do the Florida Gators. They've also been a very stingy defensive football team this year, and in fact, they've allowed three or less points in each of the last two football games. Now, the reason I'm calling that out is we mentioned this in the Playbook Football Newsletter, and that's not a good role, surprisingly, for teams that are dressed up as home dogs. Home dogs who have allowed three or fewer points back-to-back games are just one and seven straight up and one six and one against the spread dating all the way back to 1981. So a little bit of a tough spot here for Florida, much like the game six for Auburn is. This role for Florida is a little bit tricky here this week as well. Uh, they've also lost the money five straight times in a row in the series against Auburn. But at home, if you break down what they've done inside the series here, the Florida Gators are 10-3 and three straight up, 8-5 and five to the spread. And of those 13 games at home, only one loss has been by more than three points. Bottom line to me in this football game, you've got a matchup of 5-0 and all football teams. It goes hand-in-hand hand with what we call, in a lot of the black book bet you did knows, we call it a collision course where we have two undefeated football teams that are 5-0 and all or better playing one another. And the dogs have been really, really good in that particular role. And in fact, in matchups of 5-0 and versus 5-0 and teams, the dog itself has been 13-8 and against the spread on the blind. And if that opponent comes in off a win of more than 25 points, much like Auburn did last week, it improves to 8-1 and against the spread. I'm going to stay with the Florida Gators in this football game in this contest here. I like what they're doing here. I like uh, the, the coaching change that they made uh, when they, when Jim McElwain was brought in as a head coach and they kind of really sputtered. They brought Dan Mullen in last football season. They won 10 games with him 
and he knows Auburn inside out from his days at Mississippi State as well. I'll be with the Florida Gators and take the points in this football game from my side in the big showdown game at the Swamp this Saturday. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our National Football League Game of the Week, a beauty in the NFC Conference, and we'll also hop out to Las Vegas and get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbooks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbooks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbooks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbooks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence against the spread. We're going against the spread with Victor King from King Creole Sports, and it's time for our NFL Game of the Week. I just got a good text from our friend Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com. We were alerting him that we're doing our NFL Game of the Week. He'll be up next for the Vegas Vibe segment, and he texted back and said he's warming up his vocal cords. <laughs> That's good news from Andy Isco, who will be with us in just a moment or so. But first, let's get to our NFL Game of the Week, where the Green Bay Packers travel to Dallas to take on the Dallas Cowboys in the matchup of two playoff potential football teams this football season. Here, Victor, your take on the Packers and the Cowboys this Sunday. Right, both teams went three and one on the season, and hey, you know what? There's only two late afternoon kickoffs this week, I believe. Denver and the Chargers, Green Bay at Dallas. So you want to talk marquee games? This is the one that's going to be drawn all the viewers. The over under line open at forty eight in this particular game. It's actually come down a little bit to forty six and a half is the current number as we record the podcast here on Wednesday. Forty six and a half. This is a good number for us to jump in and play a little bit on the over between these two particular teams. Uh, I say that because 47 and 48 are both two key numbers when it comes to totals. There's a lot of scoring combinations that a game can finish exactly on 47 or 48 points. So when you get a number of 46 and a half and you like the over, that is definitely the time to play it. In regards to over-under results on the season, Dallas and Green Bay are both 2-2. Two and two. They got there in different or opposite ways, if you will. For Dallas, they went over the total in each of their first two games of the season. Division games against the Giants and against the Redskins, over by 8 and over by 6 points. They've gone under in each of their last two games. In games 3 and 4, under by 9.5 points against the Dolphins two weeks ago under by a whopping 22 points on the road against the Saints down in the Big Easy last Sunday night, a game in which uh, if you bet the over, you basically never had a chance. The final score was 12-10 to 10 in that particular game. 
for Green Bay, again, they got here in an opposite way as it was all about defense in terms of the Packers in their first two games of the season, under by 34 points in division game against Chicago, under by six points in the division win against Minnesota, but over the total in each of their last two games, over by one against Denver and over by a whopping 15 points in that Thursday night shootout against the Philadelphia Eagles last week. A game that I might point out actually should have been even higher scoring than the final score of 34-27. to 27. I say that because Green Bay had five offensive drives in which they got down to the Philadelphia 13-yard line in that particular game. So that's a potential 35 points, right? Five drives inside the red zone, potential 35 points. They only got 13 points out of those five drives. One touchdown, two field goals, turned it over on downs, and then the Aaron Rodgers interception at the end of the game. So that's probably the reason why, A, Green Bay didn't win, and B, why there should have been even more particular points scored in that game. Now, you want to look at series? Uh, I sure do. The last 12 meetings in Dallas between these two teams, 11 overs, only one under. That's 11 and one over under. The average margin when these two teams play in the Big D is more than 10 points a game, plus 10.8. That includes a perfect 5-0 in the last five meetings since the 2004 season. Average combined points when these two play in Dallas in those five meetings, 61.4 points. So, yeah, we're liking the over in this particular game. I've got a little bit of uh, OU ammunition from the database that kind of backs us up with both teams having, (coughs) excuse me, 750 records on the season. We've got from the database 9-1 and over-under since 2012. Game 5 or greater, non-division games, both teams 750 or more on the season, home team favored by two or more points. That applies to this particular game. Uh, The fact that Green Bay has a day or two of extra rest actually helps them as well. Uh, This is from our uh, database. It's a strong over-pattern. It's a nice sample size, and it's over a large time frame as well. Since 1980, we've got 44 overs, only 18 unders, one tie. And it's for non-division road dogs of less than a touchdown who are playing off a Thursday home game when the over-under is 51 or less points. And in fact, in the last four years, these games have gone 15-2 and two over-under. So we've got some good numbers from the database that, that suggest a higher scoring game. We've got some good value at the line of 46 and a half points. And we've got a very high scoring series when the two teams play in Big D. For me, add them all up together. you got a solid overplay when Dallas takes on Green Bay in one of the two late kickoff games on Sunday afternoon. Scoring football game in that primetime matchup between the Packers and the Cowboys this late Sunday afternoon game, which a lot of eyes will be watching, as he said, one of only two late afternoon games coming up this Sunday. For the Green Bay Packers, under first-year head coach Zach Taylor, they appear to have gotten their act back together here, maybe not so much offensively, but at least defensively. Mike Pettin has taken over the, the defensive coordinator duties for the Green Bay Packers, and he's done a great job with this defense. Green Bay went out in the offseason, signed uh, defensive players 
in the free agency market and drafted heavily to the defense as well. And it's paying dividends for the Green Bay Packers. And I think it will by season's end. I'll be stunned if this team is not in the playoffs by the end of the regular football season here. Aaron Rodgers finally opened things up last week. Uh, his offense has been kind of uh, stale, if you will. He hasn't been on the same page with Zach Taylor, but he finally lit it up for 422 yards and two touchdown passes last week. That was not a good thing, though, because if you look back at what Aaron Rodgers does in games when he throws for 48 or more passes in a game, he's just 2-8 and eight straight up in his career. So he needs a better, well-balanced offense and that showed last week in that loss to the Philadelphia Eagles in that contest here. Now, Aaron Rodgers has been terrific in his career when dressing up as an underdog after losing a game straight up as a favorite. He's been in that role seven times. He's won the money six of those seven times when changing roles. And in fact, the Green Bay Packers themselves, when they're coming off a straight up favorite loss, and they're taking on an opponent that's also off a straight up favorite loss, the Packers are 10-2 and two against a spread in these particular situations. The Dallas Cowboys come into this football game here off their first loss of the season. I look inside the stats at the Dallas Cowboys' body of work this season here, and I see two times that they've held opponents, or they've given up, I should say, season-high yardage on two occasions thus far this football season here. This is also a team and a coach that I despise in their role. Jason Garrett just 19 33-1 and one against the spread in his career with Dallas as a home favorite, including just 1-7-1 and one to the spread in that role when he's taking on a quality opponent with a win percentage of 7-27 or better. This is a role that Garrett and the Cowboys have really struggled in. Their two home wins this year have come against the New York Giants and the Miami Dolphins. That's not a lot to hang your hat on, if you will, for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to go to the playbook incredible stat of the week to wrap this baby up. And what a great stat this one is from the playbook football newsletter. The Dallas Cowboys are 1-17-1 and against the spread as a non-division favorite when they're coming off a straight-up and point spread lost their previous game. Put me on the Green Bay Packers and the points in Aaron Rodgers for my side in this classic showdown game this Sunday afternoon. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite parts and segments of the show as we get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco in Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you in Vegas this football season? Well, Mark, fall has uh, finally arrived here in Las Vegas. The temperatures are a nice, comfortable uh, mid to upper 60s, awaking in the morning. So it's real football weather. It adds to the uh, uh, attractiveness of the season. Things are going very, very nicely. And once again, looking forward to uh, another interesting weekend of uh, college and pro football. As I mentioned to our listeners out there on many occasions, Andy publishes the the Logical Approach football newsletter. It's a must-read for football fans. If you're into stats, facts, and just 100% solid handicapping, download your copy of The Logical Approach Newsletter at TheLogicalApproach.com to put your hands on a copy this week just in time for the football games this weekend. And with that, Andy, let's check in and see what's going on in Las Vegas. I know you mentioned last week at the Superbook contest that they were going to do a second contest. Uh, uh, They're going to reignite the contest, if you will, and do a second contest. If our listeners missed that part last week, could you bring them up to speed on what's going on at the Superbook with regard to that policy they're doing this year? 
Sure, they're they're actually calling it a super contest reboot, but uh, in effect, what uh, what they're doing is they're starting a new contest that's going to cover the second half of the season, weeks nine through seventeen. It's separate from the main contest or the super contest gold. It has a five hundred dollar entry fee versus a fifteen hundred dollar entry fee or five thousand dollar entry fee for the full contest. It's for those folks who may not have had an opportunity to get to Las Vegas to sign up. Uh, in the uh, period preceding the start of the season. It may be for those who are in the contest but aren't doing very well and they have a chance not just for the little three-week mini contest at the end of the year but a contest for the second half of the season. I would have personally liked to have seen one change in the reboot contest and that is I would have liked to have seen them exclude week 17 which is the weird week at the end of the season where a lot of players don't play etc. Make it a contest for weeks 9 through uh, 16, where you have basically eight to eight weeks of competition, so that would be a total of 40 selections. And even in week 16, you still have most teams playing their uh, regulars, uh, whether they've clinched playoff spots or or are still contending for them. But nonetheless, it's going to be a fun contest, a $500 entry fee, and you do have to be in Las Vegas to sign up. And uh, I believe the sign up started, uh, I think, yesterday, October 1st, if I recall correctly, and uh, it'll be available. Uh, similar format to the regular contest, five selections a week using the same line that's going to be used for uh, the uh, Super Contest Classic and the Super Contest Gold for each specific week. When, as you mentioned, handicapping the last week of the NFL season can indeed be tricky. Uh, It's all NFL division games, and some teams obviously are not playing for anything. Some teams are playing for a lot. The lines are impacted and changed dramatically because of all that. But I have to say this, that last year, uh, in the Super Contest, my partner and I, we finished dramatically well uh, during the final weeks of the season. We went 14-1 down the stretch and 5-0 and the final week. Don't ask me how we did 5-0 and the final week, uh, mining our way through those uh, all those landmines that were out there on the National Football League side of things. So uh, while I can understand what you're saying about making it handicapping just through Week 16 and the games that really, really count and are really a little bit easier to handicap uh, – there are some people out there that do like Week 17 in the National Football League. Uh, I, for one, because of last year, but before it happened last year, I would have agreed with you <laughs> in eliminating Week 17 as well. Point well taken. <laughs> okay, and with that, let's move on now to the Superbook <laughs> recap, the recap <laughs> of what's going on in Las Vegas at the four major contests that are happening in Las Vegas, the Superbook, the Superbook Gold, the Circa, and the golden nugget contest as andy does each and every week he brings us up to speed on what's happening in those contests this week and andy with that i'm going to hand it off to you if you would start with the superbook contest if you will well you talked about going five and oh and 14 and one over the last three weeks last year well somebody's gone five and oh three times already uh this year in fact uh, two contestants have as the super contest classic which has over 3300 entries another record season Two contestants are tied for the lead after four weeks with records of 19-1 and one against the point spread, and they split the $15,000 prize that the Westgate offers for the leaders of the contest after the first four weeks of the season. Uh, they actually have a two-game edge over three contestants who are also off to a very strong start, 17-3. and three. 24 contestants are 16-4, and four, and another 80 are 15-5, and five, which is 75%. So just to recap in sum, 109 of the 3,300-plus contestants are hitting at least 75% through the first four weeks of the uh, contest. Likely this will not continue, 
But we might have said that at the start of the season that nobody's going 19-1 and over the first four weeks. So a very impressive record, especially when you consider the overall performance of the contestants in the contest. And we track the consensus selections each week. Last year, despite all the underdogs doing extremely well against the spread in the contest, the majority of the games involved selections on the favored teams. As a result, the top five selections last week were one and four. And, uh, and one and four includes one game where both of the sides showed up in the top five. In fact, uh, the number one selection was the Chiefs over the Lions. I think a lot of that had to do with the uncertain status of Matthew Stafford at the time that the contestants had to submit their selections on Saturday morning. There was a grave concern that Stafford might not play, and of course he did play, but I think that kept a lot of people uh, on the Chiefs and not on the Lions. 1,463 contestants, a little bit less than half of the contest on uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. The number two selection, the New England Patriots. Chiefs and Patriots, the only uh, favorites to win but fail to cover uh, last week as the underdogs had a great week. The number three selection in the contest last week, the Minnesota Vikings, and the one game that did have both sides appear in the top five. There were uh, 845 contestants on the Dallas Cowboys laying the two and a half at New Orleans. Dallas, the fourth most popular selection. The Saints had 812, so it didn't fall far behind, but that was good enough for fifth. And they, of course, won and covered that game as the underdog. So one and four on the season still for the, f uh, for the week, rather, for the season. 11 and nine as far as the consensus uh, goes overall for the first four weeks. Favorites, when that the favorite team is the more popular side in the game or the more often selected side, 12 and 22. And underdogs, despite the great success that we talked about for last week, 14 and 12 on the season uh, when the underdog side of the game is the more popular side. Overall, 26 and 36 Overall, through 60, well, 62 games, 62 selections, there was one game of the 63 where the contestants were evenly split on both sides, so no decision there. Super Contest Gold, there's one leader in that contest at 16-4, and four, another three contestants at 15-5, and five, and then you've got 10 at 14-6. and six. The overall record for the consensus, and because there are only 100 and I think it's 116, 117 entrants, you're going to have a lot of ties in the uh, number of uh, teams being, a number of contestants picking the same team. As a result, there have been uh, situations this year where you've had ties. In fact, last uh, last week you had four teams tie for the fourth most popular selection. Last week, seven teams in play as as part of the most popular teams. Three and four for the year, though fifteen and nine for the top uh, top consensus and ties. Thirty three and twenty eight overall for the. Um, Super Contest Gold selections overall. Uh, two games had uh, even numbers of contestants on each side. The new Circa Million Dollar Contest with the Million Dollar Guarantee. It uh, was exceeded and all those uh, extra funds going to the uh, quarterly prize, which was determined uh, this past week. One contestant uh, at uh, 17 and 3, 17 points, takes down the, I think it's about $43,000, uh, was it, um, I'll have to go back and check the numbers on that, it was 50000 guaranteed, I think they added another uh, 20000 or so into that, so I think it's 73000 something like that. In any event, one contestant is uh, has the lead at 17, half point better than three contestants at 16 and a half, four contestants at 16 Five at 15 and a half and 11 at 15 points. So, <clears throat> excuse me, there again, 
24 contestants hitting 75% or better through the first four weeks. The contestant selections somewhat mirrored the uh, super contest selections as the contestants last week in the circuit were one and four against the spread. Still a slight winning record for the season as the top five selections, 10, 9, and 1. Similarly, favorites when they're the more popular side in the game, 14 and 20. However, when the circuit contestants have been on the uh, underdog side of games, 17, 9, and 1 against the spread. And of course, a lot of that had to do with last week's tremendous success uh, for underdogs. For the season, 31, 30, and 1 push with one game evenly split. Finally, we get to the combination college and pro uh, high-end contest sponsored by the Golden Nugget. This is a contest in which you pick seven selections per week off of the college and pro uh, slates. No totals, sides only. There's one leader in the contest with a record of 22-6. and six. That's two points better, two wins better, than three contestants who are tied at 20-8. and eight. Another seven at 19, eight and one and four at 19 and nine. So uh, as we see every season, the contestants are off to a very strong start, at least on the top of the leaderboard. However, it's still pretty amazing that uh, uh, we saw in the super contest, not one, but two contestants off to a 19 and one start. And it promises to be an exciting contest throughout the season, which makes it, by the way, another thing for that uh, super contest that they call the reboot, the weeks eight through 17. You're talking about the point of the season, the starting part of that contest, week eight or week nine, rather, where we pretty much have a pretty good idea, at least we think we do, of where these teams rate relative to one another. So you don't have the uncertainty that often accompanies the first start of the season. But the uh, counter to that is that the lines are a lot tighter by the time we get to midseason. So it's an interesting uh, idea that the, the Westgate has, and uh, I'm expecting to see uh, significant participation. Don't know exactly what the numbers will be, but I think they're thinking in the terms of maybe three to 500 uh, largely local audiences. But those who come in from out of town over the next uh, uh, four weeks will have an opportunity to participate as well. Andy Isco with a recap of what's going on in Las Vegas with the major contests. 19-1 start in the Superbook. Quite impressive, to say the least. And, Andy, if I'm a betting man, and you know I am, I'm betting that pace won't continue for very long. 19-1 <laughs> is a really a fabulous start. I don't know. Has, can you recall, Andy, has it ever been that high after the first four weeks of the contest, to, you, to your memory? I I. Well, I've been in the contest. I've been here in Vegas. This is now my uh, 29th season in the contest, and I do not recall a record like that after uh, uh, after four weeks. 16 and four, 17 and three, uh, we've seen, but I can't remember. I can't recall, and nor nor has anyone else that I've spoken to or has brought up the topic remember a 19 and one start, much less two contestants. But then again, with over 3,300, there are sure to be statistical outliers, and so maybe the statistical probability of a 19 and one start is not zero and maybe even the statistical probability for a 20 and zero start may not be totally zero based upon the uh, extended math that's being done so it seems like it's very impressive it is very impressive but i can't really speak to the the statistical significance of it without uh, going back to school and getting a degree in advanced statistics Andy, one other thought I have before we switch over to uh, an update of the line moves and advanced lines that you've seen in Las Vegas this week. Uh, is there any word that you've heard of James Holzhauser, the guy who struck gold in the Jeopardy contest? 
and won the a couple million dollars. Who I understand is and uh, he's got an entry or two in the Superbook contest. Any word on him or how he's doing in the contest, or is he remaining anonymous to this point? I have not heard anything. I haven't seen anything on Twitter about it. Uh, I know that he is, uh, or at least was planning to be in the contest. I don't. I have not confirmed that, but I have to believe that uh, uh, that he that he is in. Uh, whether he has an entry in both contests, including the gold, or just one entry in the regular contest, etc., I'm not sure of. I'll see if I can find something out about that and report back next week. But I know that there would be a lot of interest. Although we just had another winner on Jeopardy who didn't go quite as far, but uh, won over half a million dollars. But I, I think his run started. Uh, after the uh, contest began. I believe it did. In fact, he was a school teacher from New Mexico. Great job, a nice personality as well. And I mentioned that because I've had a, a request from a, uh, one of our podcast listeners out there to ask you if you knew anything about James Holzhauser. So whatever you can find would be great if you can pass on. If not, no harm, no foul. With that, Andy, let's move over to what the line moves might be in Las Vegas this week. First of all, is there anything noteworthy and in that same vein maybe taking a look at the advanced lines from the West book for next week's NFL football games. All right, let's, let's talk first about the line moves for week five this coming week. These advanced lines came out last Tuesday. So, you know, uh, nine days before the Thursday night game and, uh, nearly two weeks before the playing of the Sunday and Monday games. And this Thursday's game between the Rams and Seahawks has seen some, some nice, uh, line moves. In fact, uh, the Rams opened as one-and-a-half-point favorites last Tuesday. They were actually bet up to two-and-a-half before the games were taken off at the start of Sunday's action. And, of course, we saw Seattle with a, a workmanlike win at Arizona. And uh, the Rams, in an ugly effort, getting uh, effectively blown out by Tampa Bay. The adjustment was shown when the line was posted. That game came back as a pick em game, and the early movement was, unex- was was not unexpected, went to Seattle. Seattle up as high as one and a half. They've settled back down to a one-point favorite uh, following the results of last uh, last week. So we saw effectively a, uh, a two-and-a-half-point move from where the line was to where it got reposted based upon uh, that one result. Other significant movements, let's take a look at the um, – Game between the Patriots and the Redskins last week when this line was posted in advance. The Patriots were 13-point road favorites at Washington. Now, uh, Tom Brady did not have his uh, best game uh, by far in eking out that 16-10 to win over the uh, Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. At the same time, the New England defense continues to play extremely well. And for Washington, it was a case of two bad quarterbacks playing in the same game and their ugly loss to the Giants as Haskins came in and was uh, even more ineffective uh, than Case Keenum. So when the line was reposted Sunday afternoon, a move of a full field goal from a 13-point open about a week, a little over a week ago. 16 points. The Patriots were favored on the road at Washington, and uh, rather than move, rather than see an early move up to 17 that you might expect, uh, the line has actually come down to the Patriots favored by 15 and a half. Once the public gets involved, even though they lost last week, they're going to take a look and say, well. The Washington Redskins are not the Buffalo Bills, and we expect the Patriots to have uh, more success. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that line uh, go back up. Although uh, we know the Sharps will be on the underdog in this game, it really comes into question as to how much the public will get involved playing such a high-priced favorite, especially when they lost with that high-priced favorite 
uh, a week ago. Uh, looking at a couple of the other games, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Tampa Bay obviously very impressive in their win over the Rams. Last week, this line uh, was posted with the Saints, a six-and-a-half-point home favorite over division rival Tampa. Some early action did move that line down to six when it was taken off the board. Of course, New Orleans played Sunday night. So when the line was posted or reposted Sunday afternoon it had the results of the tampa bay rams game included in the line but not that of new orleans and dallas the line was reposted with just a slight movement uh from uh, where it uh, was taken off five and a half points uh the saints were uh, installed as favorites uh, they then won that defensive battle against the dallas cowboys when the line came up on Monday morning, the Saints were down another point, four and a half point, and there's been even further movement in that game. The Saints now three and a half point favorite. So basically, uh, taking a look at the combination of the two events, the uh, Buccaneers' big win and the Saints' struggle to win, we've seen basically a, a movement of three points uh, from uh, the early move, uh, from the early posting rather, uh, to the current line. Uh, no other significant moves, although uh, I guess you could consider this a, a significant move because of the line. Uh, Kansas City was a nine and a half, excuse me, was an eight and a half point favorite against Indianapolis. Uh, prior to uh, the weeks, uh, this this past week's games, they reopened at nine and a half, so a one point adjustment. But that line was quickly bet up to Kansas City eleven, perhaps due to a lot of the injuries that the Indianapolis Colts have endured over the past few weeks. The line has come back and settled a little bit at ten and a half. Finally, the Monday night game, which always draws some interest. No adjustment in the line after Cleveland upset Baltimore and played a very impressive game in doing so. Last week, the 49ers, who were on a bye this past week, had been installed as four-point favorites. That's where the line opened after uh, Cleveland had that impressive win, and yet the betters have taken that impressive win into account as the line went down from four to three. Back up to three and a half, and I imagine we'll see a lot of movement between three and four on this Cleveland-San Francisco game as we uh, head towards Monday night. Now, as far as week six, these lines were posted on this uh, this past Tuesday, October 1st. Next Thursday night's game, the New York Giants behind uh, a rookie quarterback, uh, Daniel Jones, at the New England Patriots. Patriots, a 14-point uh, home favorite in that contest. Carolina and Tampa Bay will be playing in London. Carolina, a one-point neutral site favorite in that one. Cincinnati, winless at Baltimore, now currently losers of two straight, and they go into Pittsburgh uh, this weekend. Nonetheless, Baltimore, an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite over the winless Bengals. Seattle will be at Cleveland. That's an attractive matchup. Cleveland installed as a two-point home favorite over the Seahawks. Houston at Kansas City. Kansas City, uh, many people consider, along with New England, again, the teams to beat in the AFC. Kansas City, an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite over the Houston Texans. New Orleans will be at Jacksonville in an intriguing interconference matchup. The Jaguars at home a one-point favorite. Minnesota at Philadelphia, excuse me, yeah, Philadelphia at Minnesota, excuse me, Philadelphia at Minnesota. The Vikings are a three-point home favorite. However, Eagles minus 120 for the plus three. Vikings even money on the minus three. Uh, here's a game that all America will be tuning into. The Washington Redskins at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you could have thrown out any sort of number and you would have scratched your head. Uh, you could almost make a case that the game could be Pickham. Nonetheless, the surprising line is Washington, a six-and-a-half-point road favorite at Miami. Uh, San Francisco at the Rams in a key NFC West battle. The Rams, five-and-a-half-point 
home favorites. Atlanta at Arizona, the Falcons, two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Dallas will be at the New York Jets. Uh, no line on this game pending the status of Sam Darnold, the Jets quarterback. Understand he's back at practice, although no players are allowed to touch him. Uh, which I guess maybe say something about the offensive line that they had to put that in there during practice. Nonetheless, his status uh, for this week remains uncertain, despite the fact that he is practicing, so they could not put a lineup for the Dallas Jets game in Week 6. Tennessee will be at Denver. The winless Broncos, a one-point home favorite over uh, the uh, Titans, who have played uh, very well in the early going. Pittsburgh will be at the Los Angeles Chargers for Sunday night football. The Chargers favored by 55 and next Monday night, October 14th, the Green Bay Packers host the Detroit Lions in a key NFC North battle. The Packers, six-point home favorites. A recap of what's going on in Las Vegas with line moves and an advance look at next week's National Football Lines from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And... Victor, before I hand it off to Andy for his complimentary play on the show, I know you've got a question you'd like to run by him as well. Yeah, I just got uh, earlier this morning Andy's the College and Pro Football Newsletter Logical Approach, uh, issue number six for this weekend's games. Andy does a great job of breaking things down in the NFL this season. It's been the road underdogs we touched on at the top of the show that have really brought home the bacon in the NFL. The fact that a lot of favorites are not even uh, winning the games, regardless of covering the point spread, I would have to think that it means that a lot of exotics and teasers and parlays have kind of fallen by the wayside in the first month of the season. Your comment, Andy, uh, in regards to the month of September, I would imagine that, A, it was probably a very good month for the sports books, and, B, I think Sunday would probably be by far the best Sunday for sports books, given the tendency for the squares out there to bet their favorites and to bet their overs. With a lot of games going the other way, this was probably one of the better Sundays of the last few seasons. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, Victor, you're absolutely right. In fact, uh, some sportsbooks directors said that last week was one of the best weeks that they've seen in many, many years. And uh, had either New England or uh, Kansas City lost outright it may have been the best weekend probably in the past quarter century as far as the results go because that would have knocked out a lot of money line parlays which by the way were also knocked out when the rams lost uh, uh, straight up later in the afternoon so all in all it killed a lot of money line parlays it killed a lot of teasers and of course it hurt a lot of the public that uh, likes to play favorites now normally we can expect to see some sort of regression but whether or not that'll come this week uh, remains to be seen but certainly uh, all the bookmakers were smiling and as I, I put in the in the newsletter uh, when the um, uh, when the, when the favorite wins, uh, when the favorite wins but doesn't cover, the bookmakers are happy. When the favorite wins and uh, when the favorite loses outright without covering as well, of course, uh, the books are very, very happy. So they were very, very happy after this uh, uh, this past weekend because, uh, as we know, the public tends to prefer the favorite over the underdog and the over versus the under. So when you get underdogs and unders coming in, it's generally a very, very good week for the Sharps and a very, very bad week for the books. And, of course, keep in mind that even though the Sharps make large individual wagers, they are well uh, offset by what the public wagers in smaller amounts but with a great higher degree of individual participation. 
It all comes from handicapping 101 per Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. The public likes to bet the favorites in the over. The Sharps like to bet the underdogs in the under. Good roundtable talk there this week, Andy. I appreciate that very much. And before we let you go, I know our listeners would like to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play in the NFL this week. Well, we're going to try with the NFL again and uh, get back on the winning side. It's been a little bit of a rough start with these uh, isolated selections, but nonetheless, we're going to go. I'm going to go to what is actually a very attractive matchup in the AFC. It's an uh, interdivisional game between Buffalo and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the line on this game has Tennessee a three-point favorite. I'm going to take the points with uh, Buffalo. Uh, these are two very, very similar football teams. I give Buffalo an edge defensively. I've been very impressed with what they've done early in the season. and I've also liked what I've seen out of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, one thing I like about uh, Buffalo, you know, a lot of people, we've talked about it before, like to look at yards per pass attempt. Uh, to measure passing efficiency. And to me, that's apples and oranges because it includes not just completions, it includes incompletions, which is a separate category. You look at uh, completion percentage for that. Uh, what I want to know is when passes are completed, uh, how 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 large of a completion are they? Well, Buffalo is allowing under nine yards per pass completion this year, 8.96 to be specific. Tennessee, 10.64. Also very good, but more than a yard and a half per completion more uh, than the Bills are allowing. Both teams have been very solid on defense. In fact, Tennessee, very nice, 5.3 yards per defensive play. That ranks 11th. Uh, Buffalo, almost a full yard better, 4.5 yards per Per play that ranks third in the league. Their net differential between offensive and defensive yards for play is a plus 1.2. Uh, they have a better rushing offense, a better rushing defense. Uh, the concern, of course, for Buffalo is the condition of uh, Josh Allen, knocked out of the game uh, this past week against New England, undergoing the concussion protocol. Not sure if he's going to play. I think it's more likely that he won't play than he does play. But Matt Barkley, a capable and experienced backup. In what I consider to be an even game, uh, even even on a neutral field, I might make Buffalo the slight favorite, getting three points in a game that could go either way. These are two teams I'm looking to back more often than go against. I'll take the three points with the Buffalo Bills uh, in a game that uh, I think they uh, have an excellent chance at winning. By the way, for totals players, and I'm sure that uh, Victor has mentioned this, combined Buffalo and Tennessee 7-1 and one to the under through the first four weeks of the season. Andy Isco on the Buffalo Bills this week as he grabs the points in that football contest against the Atlanta Falcons for his complimentary play on the show this week. And once again, I want to remind our listeners to download a copy of The Logical Approach football newsletter at thelogicalapproach.com in Vegas. Andy, great job on the show. I look forward to talking with you next week. And best of luck this week this football week. And thanks to uh, you and uh, both you and Victor and all of our listeners have great success. Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to put the final wraps on the show. We'll share with you our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays. We'll be back with more in just a moment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. 
attention, sports fans. It's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in college football this week, and we call it On a Mission. And what we're looking to do is to plan any college football mission dog. And a mission team is simply a team that had a losing season last year that was preceded by three consecutive bowl seasons in a row. So what we're looking to do is to play on this college football mission dog that has revenge, and they're taking on a 500 or greater opponent that's coming in off a non-conference game. We're doing that because these mission dogs are 28 and 9 against the spread since 1990. That's a 76% winning play, and we'll do that by playing on Virginia Tech, plus the points against Miami of Florida on Saturday for our awesome angle play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to our good friend Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out his complimentary play. And Victor, if you would. Let our listeners know what you've got on tap this week at King Creole Sports. Uh, sure can. The college football totals a really nice 3-0 and day last Saturday. We've got three more college totals. They'll be up on the website on Thursday. 6-2 and two overall last week. Uh, there's one game in the NFL, just one, in which uh, we're going to be on the over, our four-star over of the week in the NFL. Also, it'll be available at the playbook.com website uh, by Thursday evening. And uh, totals tip sheet, 10 and 2 last three weeks. This week's issue has not one, not two, three under the total best bets that we feel very strongly about in NFL Week 5 action. That's available with this week's totals tip sheet. Don't forget, we've also got the playbook newsletter this week, the midweek alert newsletter. You can even get the Wise Guy contest newsletter as well. Uh, newsletter nirvana at playbook.com and for our free play mark well we got to give the ball to tuco again and let him run with it his new nick damis four and oh tuco as he brought home the bacon last week it wasn't the way we envisioned when he said take the rams over 30 points particularly when they were down 21 to zero in the second quarter but playing catch up Jared Goff threw 68 pass attempts. That was the third most pass attempts of all time in an NFL game. The Rams did score 40 points in that uh, home loss to Tampa Bay, so that counts as a win for our boy Tuco. And this week, Tuco's team total of the week, he's going to be heading across the pond. It's the first London game of the 2019 season, Chicago Bears and the Oakland Raiders. And Tuco's team total of the week is the Bears to score over the total of 22.5 points. That's the Chicago total in this week's game. We're kind of hoping that Chase Daniel gets the call at quarterback as the Chicago offense 
just seems to run a lot more smoother, a lot more efficiently with him as the signal caller rather than Trubisky. It's a play on the over either way. We prefer Chase Daniels. The Bears were a very strong team on offense on the road last season, averaging 25 points per game. And, of course, this week's opponent, the Oakland Raiders, very, very weak defense as a visitor. The Raiders last year in their 2018 road games allowed 28.3 points per game. In the last two seasons, 27.9. And I also ran a query for all in-season neutral site games like these games that are played in England. We dive a little extensively into it in this week's Totals Tip Sheet newsletter, but here's the results. NFL favorites in all of the neutral site regular season games have averaged 27.7 points per game all time and an even better 30.2 points per game when favored by more than a field goal. And the Bears are in this game. They're favored by four and a half over the Raiders. The fact that a bye week is on deck basically means the Bears can go all in on offense from the database. Non-division favorites before their bye week have averaged a very impressive 30.3 points per game in the last two years. I can't speak for the Raiders and what they're going to do on offense, but Tuco's team total of the week, Chicago Bears, over 22.5 points. They're playing the game over in London at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Again, Bears over 22.5 for Tuco's team total of the week. And, of course, as usual, mark our totals plays available at the playbook.com website. Tuco goes over the total in the Bears game in London. He'll have the over total with his fish and chips this Sunday for his complimentary play on the football show this week. And once again, download your copy of the totals tip sheet at playbook.com, where you can also pick up plays from King Creel Sports this weekend as well. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, I want to remind our listeners out there that you can get an added sign-up bonus from our good friends at mybookie.ag. Simply log on to the website at mybookie.ag and get your sign-up bonus by mentioning the promo code PLAYBOOK. Take advantage of the sign-up bonus at mybookie. Log on today at mybookie.ag for your big sign-up bonus. Talking about big, our five-star October Rama package will kick off this weekend. It includes four full weeks of every selection that I make beginning this Saturday through the end of October, including this week's college football perfect system play of the year. The perfect system play of the year has gone 14-2-1 since the inception of the perfect system club. It's all available at playbook.com. Sign up for the five-star October Rama or join me for another $99 football weekend of winners, including the Perfect System Game of the Year, when you call toll-free next at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football show this week in college football, we're going to play the Aggies of Utah State and take all those points against LSU this weekend. LSU comes into the football game in a live Southeast Conference sandwich off the winning cover against Vanderbilt with a bigger game on deck with the Florida Gators in this non-conference clash. We note that through all the success that LSU has met with this year, 
They did allow Texas a season-high 530 yards and 38 points. Their other games this year, their other victories, have come against three very weak sisters. So when going up against top-quality opposition this year, LSU has shown that they can be tested. Utah State comes into the contest 14-2 and straight up in their last 16 games with those two losses coming by only three and nine points each. Head coach Gary Anderson is back for a second stint at Utah State and doing a terrific job once again this football season with Utah State having covered the spread three straight non-conference games over the past two years. We'll grab up the points with Utah State for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. For our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and our good friend Jack Reynolds we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.